is here. We ask your anointing upon this message on the people, Lord, to receive it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, at this time of year, I know that all the news programs are kind of showing the year in review. Have you seen any of that? Maybe you don't if you don't watch the news. I guess when you get older, you're more interested in the news than when you're younger. I don't know why that is. I like watching, of course, I watch Fox News. I don't watch the other stuff because it's too biased. And sometimes I wonder, hey, whose side do you on when I listen to that one? <laughs> but uh, they kind of have the year in review, and they look back at some of the top stories of the past years, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, I think to a certain degree we do too, don't we? We kind of reflect on the past year, and, and we look at all the, the things that happened. And sometimes I, I said, you know, I used to say, man, I can hardly wait for the new year because this had got to be better than this one. And then I find out sometimes that isn't the case, so I'm not saying that anymore. And I know that a lot of us have been going through different things this year because when we, as soon as we start that building, if you notice as soon as we start that building, you start having more issues, problems, and things. Have you noticed that? Well, the devil didn't like that building out there. And the community notices that building out there. And maybe we don't need it right away, but one day we will. If we didn't, I wouldn't have even anticipated doing that. It seemed like as soon as we started doing that, all, a lot of stuff started to happen to us and to the church in general. So if you want to know why, that's it, because God, uh, the devil doesn't want this thing to go up, and it's a testimony to the community that we are doing something, and we need to do something. Time's short. And so, uh, so if you're wondering what's going on in your life, that's probably it. We even have some articles. Of course, they're not as prominent as they used to be. I remember when I was uh, younger, a lot younger, they used to have Jean Dixon, and every year she'd give her predictions for the year. Remember those? I don't know whether they do that anymore. And... Um, we sit there and we look at that and oh man, that's what's gonna happen, like they, like they got an insight. Well, I can look at things going on in the world <clears throat> and predict some of the things that are gonna happen. Because I'm a prophet? No, because I know a, lot of, a little bit about human nature and the things that go on and, and that's so it's kind of a, just an educated guess and that's about what they do. I know in 1967, experts predicted that by the turn of the century, technology would have taken over so much of the work that the average American work week would only be 22 hours long. Oh, I wish you wish that would have happened. <laughs> and as a result, one of the biggest problems we would be deciding what to do with our leisure time. Now we're 14 years past the turn of the century and we know how many work just 22 hours a week? Anybody? I don't even think if you don't work a regular full-time job that you still work more than 22 hours a week. And so that didn't happen even though we wished it would have. There's some prophecy I wish they would have come true. And I remember with this era, because this is my era, I grew up in the 60s. Well, actually, I grew up before that, but <laughs> the 60s was when I was out of school in this year when this happened. And I looked forward to that. Oh, man. I remember when I was in school, people, they used to tell us that loaf of bread is going to be $2 a loaf. And I'm going, oh, that could not ever possibly happen, could it? I couldn't even believe it, because we were buying loaves of bread back then, four for a dollar. Three for a dollar. You think, really? Yeah. I bought gasoline for my car, 15 cents a gallon. 25 cents a gallon. I thought, oh, man, how am I ever going to afford it? 25 cents a gallon. And now what is it? I'm going, wow. But that's the year we were from. Some of you, maybe it's a good thing you don't remember those things because it makes it even worse to look at what you have to pay for one gallon. I used to fill up my whole car for what one gallon, gallon costs. So, and that's the, that's the bad news, the good news, depends on what side of it you're on. But, uh, and we're wondering what's going on, you know, with that leisure time. 
We have way too much leisure time now, don't we? To a certain degree, we do. That's why kids get in trouble, because they have too much leisure time. And whose fault is that, parents? You gotta make sure your kids do something. Get off the couch, do chores, mow the lawn or mow the pole weeds, whatever it is, make them do something. Because if they don't have something to do, they get in trouble. I got in trouble when I didn't have enough to do when I was younger. We got in trouble. And you get with your friends, and, and it's worse when you're with your friends with nothing to do because everybody's got an idea, and let's go do this. You find that to be true? That's why we really wish we could pick our kids' friends. Why can't you run around with those church kids? Well, some of those church kids are worse than the world, worldly kids, aren't they? You know, when I grew up, the, the, the joke was pastor's kids, PK kids, was the worst kids in the church. Isn't that right? <laughs> so hopefully that isn't your kids. Hopefully your kids aren't some of the kids that the parents of other kids are telling them not to hang out with. Hopefully you are a good influence to the neighbor's kids. But, um, you know, we sit there and we're busier than ever. No matter what technology we have, we're still busy, aren't we? We're rushing here to there. We live in a microwave society, don't we? You know, we want fast food, and we want it now. Man, I had to wait two minutes for a hamburger. What's this world coming to? <laughs> you know, it's, that's just the way we are. We're rush, 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 rush. We can hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry up and wake. That's what we do. We hurry up, hurry up to get to the doctor's appointment, and then we have to wait there for two hours, don't we? Yeah, I hate that. I hate going to the doctor's office when they, when they don't think that my time's valuable. I get so irritated when I have to do that. And that's my, one of my things. I guess if I got over it, maybe I wouldn't have to wait so much. Because you have to conquer those things that are a problem for us. So one day maybe. <laughs> so and as we look back on the, the last year, we can kind of maybe look at some of the things we wish we would have done differently and we hope to do differently in the future. Because a new year gives us a new outlook, a beginning, a fresh start, even though there's no difference between 31st or the 1st. It's just in our mind, we, we think it's a clean slate. And we kind of get to start out new. But we're so busy, some of us have already got Grant January booked up. I know I've got appointments in January already, already settled. <laughs> I've had them settled for a couple months because you have to make appointments early if you want to get into the doctors anymore. So we kind of do that. And we look at uh, back in this last year, do we look at it with joy or regret? And at the end of 2015, will we look back on it with joy or regret? I don't know. Hopefully we won't. Hopefully it'll be with joy. But right now we have that decision as we look forward to the new year. I say it's going to be a better year. And it might. Or it might not. I don't know. I have no control over it. But a lot of it is our outlook about things, isn't it? You know, you can sit in the doctor's office. I remember when I, when I go to the doctor's, I like to look for opportunity to talk to people. Because if you're talking to people about something, if you notice the time goes by faster, and you say, oh man, it's my turn, I'm not through talking yet. Especially if you're talking about the Lord. And you want to get into the doctor's appointment sooner, talk about the Lord. The devil will see to it that you get your appointment in there and out. Right? <laughs> so if you want to do that, do that, and, and that's a way to do it. So why kind of look forward to the future with anticipation of a new year? I know I do. I look forward to it. I look forward to see what God's got planned for me. Well, God's plan for this church, because God has something planned all the time. We just need to plug into it. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. 
Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, Paul gives us some important lessons from these verses. If, and there, Well, there, actually, there's important lessons throughout the verses, but this morning, this is kind of the thing that I'm going to be looking at this morning. And first of all, we need to realize that our time on earth is limited. We are not here. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning, that we are here just, a, just for a split second in relationship to eternity. I meant a thousand years. It looks like a long time, but it isn't in relationship to how long people live. We don't live to be a thousand years. They lived a long time uh, at the beginning. In the beginning, they lived a long time. And, you know, I sit there and look at the world and they're like, man, they live 700 years. I don't want to live 700 years. Anybody here want to live 700 years? I guess it depends on where you're going. <laughs> I'm going to heaven, so I don't care. I don't want to live 700 years. I don't want to live any longer than God wants me to live. Uh, Psalms 90.10. 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly, and they, we fly away. Time is short. That's not a long time in relationship. Uh, of course, it depends on your perspective, isn't it? I remember when I was younger, and I used to think 40 was an old, old ancient. You young people, you can kind of relate to that. You're 40? Wow, you're old! Now, I look at our son. He's over 40, and that's our baby. This is our, this is my, Pastor Sheldon's our this is my baby. <laughs> well, you got picked on whether you was here or not. But uh, so he's over forty. You're gonna be what? Forty-two this, forty-two this next year. I'll just be forty-seven. Okay. Well, compared to me, hey, you're old. You're old enough to be my baby. Hey, I just want you to know she's sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah, I am sixty. Man, that's old. And all you little kids say, "Wow, you're old." I am old. I've been around a long time. So, but age is relative, isn't it, to where you're at? When I was young, 40 was old. Now that I'm 67, <laughs> 40 isn't old. It's young. I don't want to be 40. I don't want to go back one day. Because <laughs> I, I, I look at 40 and I look at all the surgeries I would have to look forward to. And I don't want to do that again. So, so we're not going to do there. But time and age is relative. To teenagers who are madly in love, one or two hours with that special one just seems like a blink of an eye, doesn't it? But to the parents who are waiting for their loved one to come home, it seems like an eternity, doesn't it? So it's relative to where we are at. And we are where we are because of the choices we made when we were young. You are where you plan to be, whether you wanted to admit it or not. You are where you chose to be. Uh, I kind of laugh that people say, well, oh, you're going to be turned out the way you're going to turn out regardless because it has to do with this or this or this. Well, I have a twin sister. We made different choices. I chose to marry a great guy. <laughs> I told her she's got to change rocks because she'd go out there and whatever crawled out from under that rock she married. She was married three times, and she's not married now. <laughs> I guess she figured she just might as well give up. 
You know, I kid her, I kid her a lot about that. And I, of course, I told her, because I told her, wish her happy birthday today from your older sister. <laughs> I says, I know I'm only an hour older, but I learned a lot in that hour. <laughs> So, but we lived in the same environment, but we made different choices. So everything you're choosing today, kids, you'll end up in a certain place because of those choices. Education, I chose to go to college, she didn't, she didn't even complete high school. I finished high school. It was hard, but I finished, I made it. I went to college and ended up with a B average in college, how about that? I barely made high school, but I made it in college. <laughs> It's amazing because you're forced to go one place and you want to be the other place. So, uh, but where we're, you're at because of the choices you made. And that's a good example. Look at, look at your siblings, look at your brothers or your sisters if you have them and they're grown up. They are where they are because of the choices they made, who they married, what they did with their life, the job they chose. All those things influence where you're going to be 20 years from now, 50 years from now, whatever it is. You're there because of the choices you make. And uh, sometimes we don't make the best choices. Now, this verse tells us that we have very short time, 70 or 80 years maybe, but they're going to be filled with trouble if you found them filled with trouble. Now, they say that the average man today lives to be 75 and the wife lives to be 80. I guess the men are, live five years le uh, less because we nag them for five years extra. I don't know. <laughs> They would get those honeydew lists done, they wouldn't have, they'd live longer, right? <laughs> so my parents lived to be 82. So if I go by that, I got about 13 years left. That's, you know, in some retrospect, if you're in school, 13 years is a long time. But from where I sit, it's not a long time. Of course, we take age tests. I'm supposed to live till I'm 90, but I don't want to. I'm, I told Randy, I may be older than him, but I'm going first because I've already put in my reservation. <laughs> right? I should get more choice, first choice, because I'm older. And uh, so, well, see, it don't make any difference. We're going to go home when God calls us home. Amen. Right? Uh, Psalms 39.4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. I think that's where they got that phrase, your days are numbered. Because God knows how many years we have, how many days we have, how many hours we have. Sometimes you think, oh, I wish I knew what that was. Well, sometimes, you know, maybe. But generally, I don't think we would. It'd be kind of hard to be able to know that in advance. I guess that's why God uh, didn't tell us. But there are times in the Bible where uh, Hezekiah prayed. God told him, get your house in order, you're going to die. And he prayed earnestly, and God gave him 15 more years. If God told me to get my house in order, I don't think I'd pray for 15 more years. Of course, I don't know how old I am when, I, when, he, when it happened. But <laughs> so our days are numbered. And all we have is right now. That's all we have is now. The past is gone. You can't do anything about the past. We live, if you're living your life in regrets, you can't change the past. And we, can't, we can change the future by the decisions we make, but... If we're, if we're so living in the future, we miss the present. And that's why they call it a present, because it's present. It's time God gives us. And this is all we have is now. Ephesians 5.16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We're living in the days of evil. 
We see it on the news, maybe not as much as what we would if, if uh, different parties were in charge, but people are being killed everywhere. Christians are being beheaded in the Middle East like crazy. They're being killed and murdered just because they're Christians. Do you hear that much on the news? No. But I guarantee it, if it was Muslims over there being killed and beheaded like they are, it'd be front page, front and center. I don't know what it is, why we hate, well, I do too, the devil doesn't like Christians. That's the reality of it. And if you don't know that yet, you need to learn it. If you're a believer this morning by choice, know that you're going to have problems. And the world in general doesn't like you. It doesn't matter what you do, they aren't going to like you. When we become uh, believers, our friends scattered, except for the ones that got saved. You don't need to choose your friends or whatever. They will choose to leave if they don't want to live, you know, if they don't want to hear about your Christianity. They'll leave. They just automatically leave. That's the reality of life. People don't like Christians. So they aren't no fun anymore. But the reality is that we, I've had more fun as a believer than I ever did in the world. So, uh, so secondly, we have to make the most of every opportunity. Now, Satan tries to rob us of everything, doesn't he? He came to, seek, to devour. He wants to seek out who he can devour. We know that. We know that Satan is our enemy. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy us. He wants to rob us of our time. Now, we joke a lot about, you know, death, don't we? We kind of joke about it. I, you know, I'm reminded of the joke that says, you know why there's uh, fences around cemeteries? Because people are dying to get in. You know, we joke about death because somehow we think if we joke about it, it will hide the apprehension we have or the fear of death. There are a lot of people that are afraid of dying. I don't happen to be one of them. I remember when my dad was dying and I was talking to him because he was afraid to die. And I said, you know, I told him, I said, you know, dad, you're a believer. You don't have to be afraid to die. We don't have to as believers be afraid to die. And it's hard to know that, you know, you're going to be here one day and gone the next. It, you know, it's, it's hard. And uh, it wasn't easy for me to be able to, t you know, talk to him about that and pray with him for the last time before he died. That was hard. But I know where he's at. I can't even imagine the world, a world that we live in without hope, a hope of a future. If without hope, what is there? We have nothing. But we as believers know that there's something beyond this existence that we have here. And this existence we have here is very short in relationship to eternity. We can't even comprehend eternity. Thousands upon thousands and millions and billions of years. You know, all those billions of years they say creation is? <laughs> That's ahead of us. <laughs> they will be old that, that old one day. But uh, that's the reality of it. We, we are here such a short time. And we as parents know how short time is because our kids, are, they're little for, for whatever. It seems like they're just, they're grown up and gone. Some parents will say, not soon enough. <laughs> but uh, it's such a short time that, that we're here. And our days are numbered. Now think of the time that we've wasted in our lives. I think, look back at the years that I've wasted, the years I wasted in bars, the years I wasted drinking and gambling and smoking, gossiping, spreading rumors, and the time wasted worrying. I don't know whether, you, uh, you know, maybe you got saved when you was younger, didn't have a lot of that stuff going on in your life, but I did. And not only the, the just the time, it's a lot of waste of money. 
And I know I've told you before that before we became believers, we drank up $500 a month, which is a lot cheaper than our ties were. And I smoked at least $50 a month worth. Now that $50 would be $300, to put it in perspective today. I don't know how people can afford to smoke. I really don't. I know they have e-cigarettes e out there, and they're a lot, maybe a lot, I don't have no idea how cheap they are. It doesn't make any difference. But I don't know how they can afford it. I don't know how anybody can afford to do hardly anything in this world. Can, do you? Well, we've wasted all that time and all that money doing stuff for what? I think we do it because we're trying to get over our internal fear that we have. There's no hope. Deep down in the world, there's no hope. And so they got to do something to fill that void in their life. And that I was among them. Drinking. Hey, go out and have a good time, party. Hey, that's, you know, that's where life was. That's all I had. Now, if you're here and you're, you're battling with some of those things, God can help you. Amen. Now, I don't have problems. You say, well, you mean tell me if somebody smokes, I ain't going to go to heaven? I didn't say that. There's a, there's a world out there that believes Christians should behave in a certain way. And it ruins your testimony to the world if they see you doing things that they think is wrong. And the Bible talks about that. He says we cannot be a stumbling block to other people. So if we know our brother is offended by us eating something, don't eat it in front of him. Yeah. And, of course, I carry it a little further. I believe the people involved in ministry, they're supposed to be held to a higher standard. That means that nobody should see me out behind the bar and smoking a cigarette or out behind the thing trying to, in the bar drinking. Yeah. I don't think that, as a minister and as a pastor, I don't think people in ministry should be doing that because we're supposed to be held to a higher standard. And I think that everybody here would agree with that. And I know that if you've seen me out there parked at the bar, you would wonder, what in the world's going on here, Pastor? We're going to vote you out next week. I had to laugh a couple weeks ago. We were driving home, and Susie saw Cliff walking home. <laughs> so she turned around, seen him walking the side of the road, if I was Cliff, turned around, and so we stopped and wondered, what are you doing? She said, well, i, I got to go see. Maybe his car's broken down or something. So she goes back there and said, no, he was fine. But I told her, you know, that's fine, Susie, for you to do that. But did you have to stop in front of the liquor store? <laughs> you know, we're right here leaving church, and we're all, here we are. Here's, the, here's Pastor Saunder, Pastor Sheldon, Pastor Jess, and, and, and our deacon Randy and our deacon Susie <laughs> parked in front of the liquor store. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of funny because I think, oh, man, what's going to happen if the world sees me? Not that, hey. I'd go to heaven if I parked in front of a liquor store. <laughs> but it's, there's a, a, a thing, that the way the world sees us. And I don't want to cause my brother or sister to stumble. Amen. That's the reality of it. I'm accountable for that. So I want to hold myself to a different standard and do the things I feel like I need to do. So, and I know that you would want me to, right? Amen. So, But if you're doing these things, God can help you if you pray. <clears throat> but lifestyles... I'm a sinner or a problem. Not if you slip up once in a while. People struggle with things. I still sin. How many of you know that I still sin? <laughs> if you follow me around, you're going to know that I do. I'm not perfect. And if you're holding me up here on a pedestal, don't put me up there, please. Because I will disappoint you. I'm no different than you are. And you sin, too. We all are sinners. I'm a redeemed sinner, but I still sin. I try not to. I do my best. Sometimes I mess up. But I'm not living a lifestyle of sin. There's a difference. 
A lifestyle of sin says I'm doing this and I'm going to go, you know, when I, before I became a believer, I planned on going out drinking on Friday and Saturday nights. I planned on doing it. I planned on getting drunk. But now I don't. I don't plan on sinning. Sometimes I mess up. But I don't have a lifestyle of it. I'm doing my best not to. You know why AA works? Because they have a sponsor. That's why it works. They have a sponsor. And uh, they're there for them. Well, Jesus wants to be our sponsor. Not only Jesus, but here is the body of believers. We want to be helpers. They go to meetings. See, these are meetings for sinners. I'm not going to go around this morning and have everybody stand up and say, Hi, my name is Pastor Sondra and I am a sinner. But that's what they do in those AA movies. They introduce themselves and they say, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or I'm a gambler or not, whatever they are. They have to admit that they are something. Well, we're all sinners. And this is a place we come to learn about God, to help us with our life, and to support system. <clears throat> that's what God wants for us. We're supposed to support each other. We're supposed to help each other because we're a family. We're brothers and sisters, and we're here to help build people up, not tear each other down. And if you have a problem this morning, hey, we're here for you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you in any way that we can. But it's not just sin that matter makes demands on our time. Even good things can make demands on our time. I know if you've read your Bible uh, at any length, you know that Jesus goes to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home and sits down and starts to teach, and Mary's sitting in his feet. And his sister, and, and her sister Martha's in the kitchen cooking. That's where my sister goes, too. I want, you know, goes in there and cooks. I don't, I'm not a, into that stuff very much. <laughs> and so Martha gets upset because Mary isn't helping in Luke 10, 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Was Martha committing a sin because she was in the kitchen cooking? No. But see, she was so busy doing those things, she didn't realize that God was in the living room. This is one of those scriptures, too, that Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening and being taught. During this time, women weren't allowed to do that. They weren't allowed to be there. So, see, it's okay. Jesus changed the whole outlook on women. So, as believers, hey, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? He took us from property to being, being people. Not only people, being equal. There's neither male nor female, bond nor slave, whatever it is, we're all equal standing at the foot of the cross. We're all equal. And uh, so, but sometimes we're, we're in the same boat, aren't we? We're so busy doing stuff that we forget about the reason we do them. We don't have time for, to do things that are important because we're too busy doing things that it won't matter next week or by the end of the day. I feel that, feel that way about cooking sometimes, you know, especially Thanksgiving. You go through all that hassle of cooking all that stuff, Takes you hours and hours and hours to do it, and in what, 20 minutes, it's all gone, and then you've got to clean up the mess. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> but in October, will this Thanksgiving matter that much? No. See, because it's just temporary. God wants us to be more concerned with the things that are internal. 
Well, we're so wrapped up sometimes in the things that are temporary, we miss the stuff that's really important. And that isn't God's will for our life. Richard Swenson, a medical doctor, wrote that some of the major medical pro problems of our society are anxiety and stress. And that's true today, isn't it? They say the number one thing that, that people uh, take today is Xanax because they're anxious and their anxiety issues and things like that. He calls it overload and says that people are just plain overloaded. We're overloaded with commitments. We don't know if we're coming or going. We're also overloaded with possessions. Our closets are full, our garages are overflowing. We've gone into debt to pay for all of these things that we simply must have. And then afraid that someone will steal them. We are overloaded in the area of possessions. Especially young people today, you know, they sit there and they see what their parents have and they want what they have right now. And they don't realize it took their parents 20 or 30 years to get it. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we have now, as far as our, our young people are concerned. We have an overload, oh, put that up on the line. I forgot, I forgot to put it, I got it up here on my overhead here. There we go. We're also overloaded with possessions. Our garages are full, overflowing. Okay, go to the next slide. We have an overload in the area of work because we have, we have to if we're going to pay for all those possessions. There's also an information overload. He said that as a doctor, he had to read 220 articles a month just to keep up with all the changes in his profession. And now with the internet, there's an information superhighway, but the problem is that we can't possibly absorb it all. So we feel overloaded here too. You know, the internet is a great tool it's great to have, it's made life easier in a lot of respect, but in some respects it's made it worse because so many people spend more time on the internet than they do anything else. Like the last, you go to have a family dinner and everybody's sitting at the table on their phones, they're not even looking at each other. If you want to talk to your kids nowadays at the dinner table, you have to send them a text. <laughs> Parents, take the phones away. Have dinner time with your family. That's the most important thing that you can do as a parent. Make them come home for dinner, Put the phones at the door, turn them off, or whatever it is, so they can have family time, face time, because that's when they're going to learn a lot of things. So we need to do that. But there are so many demands on our time, so many th good things that need to be done. And just because it does, doesn't mean we have to do it. We don't have to do everything that we think that we have. There are 8,760 hours in a year, and we've already got some of them filled for next year. We want to make the most of every opportunity but we want to make sure we don't get it overloaded of things because we feel like we're obligated to do it and we miss what God wants us to do. Ephesians 5.17. <coughs> Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Thirdly, we have to understand what the Lord's will is. People say, oh, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, I can tell you mostly God's will is for you to read his word. That's the number one thing that God's will is for you to pray every day. For the next year, that's what God's will is for us. He doesn't want us to be so consumed with worry and anxiety, we don't have time for spiritual thoughts. That isn't God's will. So he doesn't want our calendars so full, we don't have time for the things of God. And so, but to know God's will, we have to do what we already know, and that means establishing priorities. Now, the right priority, I know I've said this many times, is God first. If God isn't first in your life, your priorities are messed up. Second, if you're married, it's your spouse. That's the second priority you have in your life. Third is your children, your family. And that doesn't mean your uh, second cousin three times removed or whatever it is. Your, your immediate family. Then the church, then your work. 
<clears throat> if you have those things in the right priority, you'll be amazed how much time you have to do everything else that you want to do. And your life will be fuller. Your kids will turn out better because they know that you're important. They're important to you. And how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. If you spend a lot of time with your kids, they're going to know that you love you, that you love them. And they're going to know it more. They would rather have that than that, all those Christmas presents that you gave them. They're more important to them. I know that it was, time was important when I was growing up. And nowadays it seems like we can do everything to give our kids all this stuff to fill that time. Who's the babysitter? We set her in front of a TV from the time that they're born. And then we give them the computer. I, my great-granddaughter knows how to work a better computer better than I do. Because she's raised with it. Man, she's right through there on that iPad. I mean, she's got an iPad. You know, I think she just turned six, seven, I don't know. And she's had the iPod for two years. Because... Hey, that's it. And they watch those movies. Now, I wish I'd have had that when our kids were little and we were driving somewhere. Oh, man, I'd have gave anything to have the DVD so they could watch a movie. Man, I'll tell you, we had four kids. And I'm at Kenya. We took them to Disneyland one year. It was the worst punishment I ever had. <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, just constantly, oh. Do you want me to stop this car? I'm going to stop this car. <laughs> Do your kids hear that from you? You don't want me to stop this car. They did not want me to stop the car. Because they knew what that meant. Nowadays, it's just something we say. But we didn't have any of that stuff. So we even had to spend time. We had to figure out games. Okay, let's play slug bug. <laughs> How many know what slug bug is? Yeah. So we got to slug each other, gave us an opportunity <coughs> to beat up on our brother and sister, so we had a lot of fun. And other, other things that we made up because we didn't have, you know, trying to fill that time. <clears throat> so we need to make sure that our priorities are where we are, where they need to be. Yeah. And we have to decide just where God is in our life. Like I said, if God's your number one priority, everything else will fall into place. You don't need to worry about it. God may tell you to make the right decisions. You do everything the right way. I'm sure you're going to mess up once in a while because sometimes we don't hear correctly or, or what we want kind of interferes with we, what we think God wants. And I know I'm the only one that does that. So, But everything in our life will be affected by what is number one in our life. What we do with our time, the who we marry, what job we take. Everything is affected by the priority we have in our life. Now, so, and if God's the number one priority in your life, when Sunday rolls around, neither rain, nor snow, nor sunshine, nor football kickoffs will affect being in church. Because being in church should be a priority in your life. I know that a lot of people work and it you know, can't be helped, and I understand that. But if, there's a, if staying home because, oh, it's a nice day, or, you know, I'm just tired today, well, I guarantee you, the reason those things happen is because the devil knows that message you're going to need today really bad. And that's why he doesn't want you to show up. So if you look at it like that, on the days I don't feel like coming to church, I don't feel like coming to church every day. Did you know that? Yep. I'm at, I have to go to church. I don't want to go. I want to stay home. I'm going to call in sick. I don't get to do that. <laughs> so if I have to be here, you should be here, right? <laughs> <clears throat> If your priority, if God is your priority, we will 
we will be here when we can, unless you're working. Uh, and we will schedule time to pray and read his word. And we need to pray for our family, our friends, our church, the nation, our leadership especially, <laughs> and the world. We need to do that. Say, I don't know what to pray for. Well, you pray for those things. You'll you, you be amazed how long you can pray when you just pray for those things. And I know honeydew lists aren't fun, but they're important if your spouse is a priority in your life. Mine is the, my honeydew list is the church. I've got a lot of honeydew things in my garage that uh, one day will get done. <laughs> so, and if we tell our spouse or children or friends we'll do something, we need to do it. Right. Let your word be your bond. That used to be the way it was. Years ago, my dad's generation, they had a handshake on it and that was it. That was better than any contract you could sign because your word was your bond. Nowadays, they have to write the, all these contracts and then they have lawyers that try to figure out where a loophole is in the contract. If you say it, tell your kids you're gonna do something, you do it, yeah. unless there's some unforeseen thing that, that interferes, and then make sure your kids understand that. But if you say something and promise your kids something, you do it. I don't care what happens around the world because they're gonna notice, hey, I can trust my dad. And therefore, they're going to grow up knowing they have to keep their word. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want your kids to be able to do, with, do what, uh, keep their word. <clears throat> and then the part of everything else after the family uh, is work. And Christians should be the best workers. When somebody hires a Christian, they should know they're never going to cheat on their time. They're going to be people of integrity. They're going to give a day's wages. I'm at a day's work for a day's pay. That should be an unseen thing. There's too many times in this world that I will not hire a Christian because they're lazy. That should never be said of a Christian that goes to this church. Amen. I think that we have the best workers in the community that go to this church Amen. because we have integrity. So the greatest enemy of time are regrets for things we did in the past and anxiety about what will happen in the future. We spend a lot of time there, don't we? And if we're living in the past, in the future, or we play the little game of what if, or I wish it were, I wish it were next week, <clears throat> or I wish it were next month. Gary Freeman tells about a, a girl who went to college and hated it. But she told herself, if I can get out of college and get married and have children, I know I'll finally be able to enjoy life. So she stuck with it. She went to classes every day and finally graduated, graduated from college. Then she got married and had children and discovered that children are a lot of work. How many of you have ever found that to be true? You know, they are so good and so cute when they're, when they're little. That's why God makes babies cute, because they grab our hearts, <laughs> and then it's too late. We're stuck with them. <laughs> but they're cute, but they're a lot of work. <clears throat> so she told herself, if I can just get these kids raised, then I'll be able to relax and enjoy life. But about the time the kids were in high school, her husband said, guess what? We don't have enough money so our kids, to send our kids to college. I guess you'll have to get a job. Well, she didn't want to, but she knew she, he was right and she, they needed the money, so she went to work. And she hated it, but she told herself, if I can just get these kids out of college and get all the bills paid, then I can quit work and really enjoy life. Finally, the last child graduated from college and all the bills were paid, so she walked into her employer's office and said, I quit. He said, oh, you don't want to quit now. 
If you stay with us just another eight years, you'll have a pension for the rest of your life. She thought, well, I don't want to work another eight years, but there's all that money there, and I really can't turn down that opportunity. So she worked for another eight years. Finally, she and her husband retired at the same time. They sold their home and bought a little retirement college cottage. Then they sat down on the swing on their front porch and looked at the family picture album and dreamed about the good old days. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? I, you know, I can, I can relate to that. I remember when my kids were born and they, you know, they cried and their babies, and, you know, they all, mine had, were extra criers. They had good lungs. And I thought, oh man, I'll be glad when these kids get sleep through the night. Yeah? yeah? Then it's, I can hardly wait till the potty trained. Then I can hardly wait till they go to school. Then I can hardly wait till they get out of school. Then I can hardly wait till they move out. <laughs> then they have kids and they get married and your family grows. <laughs> Which is great because, you know, I, I got great daughters-in-law. I call Sheldon's wife I love dearly. I love her to death, and I don't consider her in-law. Just drop that. If, she, if they can't be your daughter, then you won't have a very good relationship with them. They're not my in-laws. She's my daughter. Amen. And uh, so, but we wish our lives away by this stuff. And then we wonder what happened. I don't look at the old days. I wish the good old days. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. Oh, I would like to to have done some things differently. I would have liked to have served God from the time I was little to avoid a lot of hassles in my life. But it didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards. I learned, by my, learned from my mistakes. And now I have all these experiences to share with you. So you don't have to go through them. I'll go through them for you and I'll just tell you about it. So if you're having a surgery, I probably had it. You know, I, I know all about that kind of stuff. If you're having an issue, I probably had to go through it because I'm hard-headed. You can say amen, honey. And I'm stubborn, and I'm not the only one that runs in my family. <laughs> so, but life is what happens to us while we're making plans to do something else. See, we miss life because we're making plans to do something else. Another year is almost gone, and a new year is before us. Next slide. During the new year, may you have enough happiness to keep you sweet, enough trials to keep you strong, enough sorrow to keep you human, Enough hope to keep you happy, enough failure to keep you humble, enough success to keep you eager, enough friends to give you comfort, enough wealth to meet your needs, enough enthusiasm so you can look forward to tomorrow, and enough determination to make each day better than the day before. That should be our goal for the new year. May we use those 8,760 hours of the new year for him and for his glory. That's the goal for my life. Is it a goal for yours? Romans 3, 13, 11 through 12. This is all more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Hallelujah. Time is short. I don't know how many years you have. I don't know how many years I have. Because death is no respecter of persons. You don't believe that? Look in the obituaries, especially in a bigger, bigger city. You'll find little kids that's died. Old people died. There, there's all kinds of age levels of death that meet death. Because we're not guaranteed anything. I'm not guaranteed 13 years. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed the rest of this day. And neither are you. 
We should live every day as this is our last, because it could be. And what kind of a, a life would you live today if you knew it was your last day? What would you want your family to remember you for? Because one day they're going to, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to be in a box. <laughs> and people are going to be looking at our dead face. <laughs> so, oh, don't they look good? I'm, I'm going to have a sign on my chest. No, I do not look good. I'm dead. <laughs> have you noticed how people go, oh, they really look good. Didn't they look good? No, they're dead. <laughs> but we have no guarantees. But we have right now. Do you know God? Do you know him? If you don't know him, your future, I don't know what's in your future. I don't know what's in my future, but I know that when my time comes, I know where I'm going. Amen. I have a future in heaven, and I look forward to it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. President, Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for everyone that is here. And Lord, I know that most of us are believers here, but Lord, in case there's one that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that you just reach down and touch their heart and help them realize that time is short and we have no guarantees. Lord, so I just pray, Lord, if they don't know you, they'll make that decision for you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. I don't like to close the service without giving everybody an opportunity if they don't know him. Do you know him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life and change your heart? Set new priorities in your life? He'll give you more time. It's amazing to me how much stuff I've got been able to get done as a believer that I never could when I was in the world. And it's amazing how much more money I have now than I ever did back then. Only, only believers will, can understand that statement because it doesn't make any sense. Because God can make the finances work Amen. and things get paid. You don't know how? He multiplies the loaves and the fishes and he can multiply what you need. Amen. It isn't just um, loaves and fishes he adds to. He told uh, Peter to go fishing and there'd be a gold coin in the fish's mouth and gold go pay for our taxes. I'd like to know where he went fishing. <laughs> I might take up fishing if that was the case. <laughs> nope, no, go, nope, nope, no. But God can do that. I've had God create money for me, literally. So God can do it. Do you know him this morning? Anybody here say I don't? Okay. Any special needs that we can pray for? I know we're continuing to pray for Yvonne. Anyone else have a need? Okay. What's the Lord? Present Father, we come to you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, knowing, Lord, that you care about every little thing that we care about. Lord, I know each one of us have loved ones that don't know you, and I pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, Lord, that you just reach down and touch their hearts and convict them, Lord, that they need to know you. I pray, Lord, that you help us during these <clears throat> last days to be able to stand up and be counted, Lord, to make a difference in, in, our, in our homes, in our counties, in our cities, Lord, for you. Help us, Lord, to, to say, I've had enough of it, and I'm not taking it anymore. We're going to stand up and be counted and change this world for you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you